Well, um, a, a, uh, a few years ago when I was preaching in Wagga um, at our, our student church, um, we were singing a song and, uh, and you know the song, um, he tells every lightning bolt where it should go? You know that song, it's got a line in it that, as we sang that, there was this massive flash and bang that happened right at that time. It's kind of reminding me a little bit of, of this now. Um, it's wonderful, you know, God's in control of all of this, isn't he? Um, how incredible. Um, let's, let's pray, shall we? Uh, Father, we want to thank you for being such a good and generous God. We have so much to be grateful to you for. Uh, we thank you for this evening, and we ask that you would speak to us now through your word and by your spirit. Flood our hearts with light that we might see clearly Jesus Christ, our hope of glory. Amen. Um, now, I think on your, um, your phones, there is a little bit of an outline, if, if that's your, your thing. Now, um, if we're honest with ourselves, I think one of the things that we're probably not thankful for are the generations above us or below us. Older generations, if you think about them for a moment, aren't they just so out of touch? And they're so boring, they ruin everything. If you're younger, you know, the older generations, they ruin things like the environment and any chance of owning a home. But younger generations, well, aren't they just annoying? Always whinging and complaining, thinking that they're better than us. But they too ruin everything. They don't have a clue what good music is. Let's not talk about, you know, TV and movies, but we better say it quietly or they might get too upset. Uh, when you think about youth these days, what do you hope for them? What do you hope for the next generation? What do you hope that they will value, that they will love? What do you hope that they will do or believe in this world that God has given us? Uh, perhaps you hope for a safe world, a pandemic-free world, wouldn't that be great? Maybe you hope that they will be a generation of integrity and peace. Uh, perhaps they will fix the problems that our generations have caused. Um, do you know what uni students hope for? Well, there's actually quite a mix. Some of them are hoping to build a foundation for their lives and so they're focused on personal success and security and, and wealth. Um, some of them are hoping for internet fame some of them just want freedom. They want to have fun. They want to have experiences and experiment with all sorts of different things. But whatever it is, they're all trying to forge an identity for themselves in the same way that we all try and figure out who we are. But who do you hope people will be? Who do you hope that the next generation, the younger generations, will be, especially in the crucial times of their lives? Well, the Apostle Paul's hope for the younger generation and for every generation is what we've read here in Colossians chapter 1. It is that they might know Jesus Christ and be perfect in Christ. And so Paul proclaimed Christ so that everyone might be presented mature in him. So these verses in Paul's letter to the Colossians, they reveal the engine room of ministry. The ministry that we do at UQ the ministry that you guys do here, the ministry of the church around the globe. And so for the next few minutes, we're going to pick apart Paul's logic a bit. And maybe we can hear me. 
Um, but let's look first at what Paul proclaims. He proclaims Christ, the hope of glory. Paul talks about his message in verse 26. Have a look there with me. Uh, it's a mystery that has always been but was hidden. Verse 26 says, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery. Now notice here that Paul's message is for everyone. This mystery has been revealed among the Gentiles, among the non-Jews, not just God's people of Israel. Paul's message is for everyone. And the mystery is in verse 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. What does it mean? We were singing that in that song, weren't we? Um, Yet not I, but through Christ in me. What does Christ in you mean? Well, first of all, let's take the first word, Christ. Um, Paul proclaims a person. The content of his message is a person, Jesus Christ. Immediately before this section in chapter 1, uh, if you've got your Bibles there, you might, you might see Paul's already spoken of the centrality of Christ in verses 15 to 23. Jesus is the centre of creation. He's the centre of the church. He's the centre of redemption. And so Paul's message can be summed up in one word, Christ. But what has Christ got to do with you? On verse 27, it is Christ in you. While Jesus is at the centre, you Colossians, says Paul, are united to him. He lives in you. Just imagine that. Jesus Christ, the Lord of all things, the one who directs every lightning bolt and thunderstorm and raindrop. He lives in you. And he lives in his people by his spirit. So here is Paul's message here. He says, you are totally united to Jesus. Even in suffering, even when God feels distant or absent, Christ lives in you by his spirit. And this is hope, isn't it? Jesus Christ is the only source of ultimate hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And what is this hope? What is this hope of glory? Well, glory is a way that the scriptures speak of eternal life. Eternal life with the glorious God. Jesus Christ lives in you now, giving you a sure and certain hope for the future in which you will live eternally with him. That beautiful image of revelation. And it's Jesus Christ, the person at the centre of Paul's proclamation that guarantees this hope. Many students come to uni without this hope. Let me tell you about Isabel. Um, When Izzy came to uni, she called herself a Christian. She'd grown up in a Christian home, but she didn't really understand the glory of Jesus and the hope that he gives. But praise God, Izzy, like so many others, as she read the scriptures over her first couple of years at uni, she came to see that the only eternal hope we have is Jesus Christ. We've seen a profound change in her as Jesus came and dwelt in her by his spirit and her hope was placed in Jesus rather than her degree, rather than her own moral efforts. And because of this hope, her priorities totally changed. 
I just love seeing students turning like that to follow Jesus. But my brothers and sisters, do you know this true hope of Christ in you? This is Paul's message. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what does Paul do with this message he has? He proclaims it, doesn't he? So see verse 28. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom. The hope of glory is Christ, and so Christ is the one that Paul proclaims. And in in verse 25, he's been commissioned by God to make this fully known. So if Christ is the only hope of glory for people, then the only response that makes sense for Paul is to make him known. And this is at the heart of what we do on campus. It's what, at the heart of all Christian mission. We proclaim Jesus to people. We proclaim him to our friends, we proclaim him to other Christians, we proclaim him to strangers. Um, a few months ago, um, a student, Chanel and I, uh, went out on the great court of UQ. Has anyone been onto the campus at St. Lucia there? And like, it's this impressive sandstone building. You walk through and inside it's this green grass and all of these jacaranda trees. Um, it's an amazing place. And, um, and so students go out in there and they hang out on the grass. Um, you know, they have lunch with their friends there. They uh, study. Um, I think most of the time they're just consuming social media. Um, but a couple of months ago, Chanel and I went out uh, into, the, into the Great Court and uh, we struck up a conversation with a guy called Joshua. And, uh, and so we were going around just asking people about their thoughts about Jesus. And, and he said uh, to, to Chanel and I, he said, oh, look, um, my family are atheist and so am I. And uh, I thought, oh, this is intriguing. This is actually great to have someone who seems like they've thought about this kind of thing. And, uh, and so, so we said to him, oh, Joshua, have you come to that conclusion? Like, what, how, you must have some thoughts about Jesus then. Why don't you tell us? And he said, oh, look, I've, I actually, I'm not completely against Jesus. I don't know how you can be an atheist. And, you know, maybe they just think that he's not God at that point. But, uh, but he says, I actually enjoy the teachings of Jesus. I think they're great. His teachings on, on kindness and love and and peace, that kind of thing. And uh, I said, oh, that's, that's interesting. How do you know? He says, well, I'm actually reading through the New Testament at the moment. And I'm like, I've got an atheist reading the New Testament? Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, yeah, look, I've read through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. I'm up to this book called Hebrews now, about halfway through that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and um, I said, oh, that's, that's just fascinating. We, we talked for um, nearly an hour after that. And uh, I said, well, do you actually know what your name means, Joshua? Do you guys know what Joshua means? God saves. Yeshua, it's the name of Jesus. And, and he says, yeah, yeah, I know. And I said, how is it that your atheist parents called you Joshua? And it's like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we, we had a yeah, really fantastic conversation. And, um, and uh, I haven't seen Joshua since, but uh, th- these are the kinds of conversations that people are happy to have uh, at university. And it's really exciting. Um, and so if, if Christ is the hope of glory, well, like Paul, what we need to do is to proclaim him, don't we? Whether that's at university, whether it is, uh, you know, in the schoolyard, wherever it might be, uh, that's what we are called to do. But as Paul proclaims this message, 
Uh, have a look in verse 24 with me because he even proclaims this message in suffering. Verse 24 says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, this is a little bit of a tricky verse, isn't it? What does it mean that there's something lacking about Christ's afflictions? Is there something insufficient about the cross or, or, you know, that maybe Jesus could have suffered some more than what he did? No, not really, hey. Of, of course, of course, of course, there's nothing insufficient about the cross. There's nothing insufficient about, you know, Jesus couldn't possibly have suffered more. Um, in verse 20, just before it, it, it says that, um, Paul says that everything is reconciled through the blood of Christ. And so Jesus' afflictions were not lacking a completeness of efficacy. They did what they were able to do. Everything is reconciled. So what I think Paul is meaning here is that what is lacking is the suffering of the church, the people of God as they proclaim the gospel. And because the church is the body of Christ, as the church suffers, so does its head. And so Paul suffers as a member of Christ's body on Christ's mission, as he proclaims the gospel. You see in verse um, 1 of chapter 2 as well, Paul says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. And Paul contends for them. He struggles for them. What's, what's hard work look like for you? you know, picture maybe a, a uni student struggling with an essay or wrestling with a maths problem. Maybe that feels too far-fetched. Maybe you could picture a cyclist heading up Mount Cutha. Maybe that's even more far-fetched. I don't know. Think about the relentless work of caring for toddlers or for those in later stages of life. That is hard work, isn't it? Paul truly hoped that people would know Jesus Christ and so he put his back into it. He even rejoices in his sufferings. Is he right to do that? Is he right to rejoice in his suffering? If I face the prospect of all of this suffering that Paul is talking about here, all the struggle, I think I'd probably just pack it in. But in verse 24, Paul rejoices in his sufferings. I don't know what hard things you might have been dealing with this year, what griefs, what setbacks, what things have even helped you to, to go and keep pushing on during those times. Our Australian culture wants to avoid suffering at all costs. It's ridiculous, isn't it, to think that you could rejoice in suffering? In fact, for a lot of our students, the prospect of suffering for the gospel is a real one. Some of our students have proclaimed Jesus and they've lost friends because of it. The risk is real and the cost is real. But really, that's nothing compared to our brothers and sisters around the globe who really do suffer for the sake of the gospel. Uh, but we do know that people are hostile to the gospel. We know that we may face conflict rejection <clears throat> if we speak about Jesus wherever it is that we are. So how do we do it? How do we speak about Jesus, the hope of glory, and rejoice in our suffering? Well, Paul proclaims this message in God's power 
and not his own. Yet not I, but through Christ in me, isn't it? Uh, We can only do the same. Have a look in verse 29. I labour for this, Paul says, striving with my own strength. No, striving with his strength that powerfully works in me. This is how Paul can proclaim Christ even in suffering. It's through the power and energy of Jesus Christ. We can do nothing on campus. You can do nothing in your workplaces, in the community, without the supernatural power of Jesus at work in and through you. We feel inadequate. We feel stretched. We feel tempted to give in to fear and to seek comfort. Yet that should drive us all the more to prayer, shouldn't it? To rely on the God who alone has the power to raise the dead, who alone provides strength to his people. We, like Paul, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ even in suffering by the power of God. But the question remains, why? What exactly is Paul's goal with his struggle to proclaim the gospel? Well, he does it to present everyone mature in Christ. See verse 28. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Verse 22 tells us God is preparing people to meet him on the judgment day, when those who remain steadfast in the gospel will be presented before him as holy and faultless and blameless. And here we see it's talking about presenting everyone mature in Christ. Christian maturity here, it's talking about holiness. It's a life that turns away from sin. That is what the the goal, that is what Paul is working towards here, that people would be like Christ. And all this happens through what Jesus has achieved through the cross. In the immediate verses before our passage, you can see that there in the language of verse 28, this maturity all happens in Christ. This maturity is only achievable in Christ. That's why it's him that Paul proclaims. Now, it's not actually just the message of Christ in you, the hope of glory, because here it is you in Christ, the hope of maturity fully mature in Christ. You see how tightly you are united to Jesus. He is in you, you are in him. This gives us such great assurance of hope that salvation is real, that we will see him face to face. What power that this gives us to live for him today. Christ in you is the hope of glory and you in Christ is the hope of maturity. Christ in you is the hope of glory and you in Christ is the hope of maturity, of holiness. Now this verse here, um, Colossians 1.28, is actually the mission statement of AFES, of presenting Jesus Christ on university campuses to present everyone mature in him. We want students to meet Jesus to have this hope of glory and to grow to maturity in him. And so we proclaim Christ for the sake of others. 
the next generation of, of uni students and, and youth, you know, they might thrive, they might innovate, they might fix up all the problems that we have created, uh, they might find personal safety and security, but if they do not know Jesus, they do not have the hope of glory. If they do not know Jesus, they will stand before God immature and incomplete, that is, unholy and accused of sin. So I wonder, as you think about people around you in your day-to-day life, your family, your friends, your colleagues, whoever it may be, is your hope for them that they will know Christ? This world needs to know Jesus Christ, for he is the only hope of glory. Isn't this a huge challenge to our own complacency? We see here how much Paul struggles for the sake of others for their salvation. And it's worth us asking ourselves if our energy is spent to present others fully mature in Christ. I know what a struggle this is. I know my own battles with selfishness and taking the easy option. It's easy to try and, or or to avoid, you know, just not bother taking up um, the opportunities to have conversations with people uh, about Jesus with students. It's easier, you know, as I think about Christian students that I'm I'm ministering to or, or Christian friends, it's easier not to challenge them on their holiness and their purity. It's easier, it's easier, it's easier to do all these other things. And if I do that, I've lost the sight of Paul's goal. I've lost interest in presenting others mature in Christ. And instead, I strenuously contend for my own gain, my own comfort. Friends, is your energy spent to present others fully mature in Christ? And of course, we can strenuously contend all we want Nothing happens without the work of Christ on the cross and the work of the Holy Spirit in people's hearts. So I want to give you a couple of suggestions for ways that you can be involved in this work of presenting people mature in Christ. You can proclaim the same gospel as Paul. Who does Paul say he spoke to about Jesus in verse 28? Everyone. In your day-to-day life, do you ever see people people, I think you might, then pray for opportunities to proclaim Jesus to them. Look for and and create opportunities. Be, Be creative about it. How might I be able to share Jesus with this particular person? What questions do you need to ask to try and get underneath the, uh, you know, all of the facade and, and the things that people kind of, you know, polite conversation. Um, in some ways, uh, you know, it's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? Um, it's a little bit like our first years who come to university campus. Uh, they're all pretty nervous and a bit afraid. You know, there's a big university there with lots of, um, you know, people who will shout them down and, and cancel them and, and that kind of thing. And they're terrified of, of evangelism because of the suffering that it might bring. Now, it's not really like that, but... That does stop a lot of people from talking about Jesus. But Paul knows that the only hope is the gospel. And so he rejoices even in suffering. 
you can proclaim this same gospel as Paul. Um, another way you can, you can partner in this work, you can, uh, you can sign up to prayer letters to, to hear what is happening at UQ with, with me. Um, on the little flyers there, you can, you can do that, but you can even do that with other mission organisations. I know, you know, Dave's probably been plugging one particular organisation <laughs> of late as well, but there are lots of, of great organisations that do proclaim Jesus. And maybe think about partnering with them, with partnering with global mission. Paul wants to present everyone mature in Christ. People in this suburb, in this city, people all around the world. This is a rich harvest field that we are working in. God has placed you here. It has made you to be the person that you are. To reach the people who are around you. So who might God be bringing into his kingdom through you? Now it's Jesus Christ the hope of glory, who himself propels his church on mission. And the church's mission is to proclaim Christ. And we do this in the strength he gives us with the proclamation, Christ in you, the hope of glory. What wonderful, great news, isn't it? What gospel. Let's pray. Loving Father, we have so much to be thankful to you for especially so for your grace to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Please use us to proclaim this great and glorious gospel of grace in Jesus Christ, to whom be all praise and glory forever and ever. Amen.